This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Creative, authentic, loving, forgiving, kind, persistent, prudent, and brave are character strengths which are elements of good character valued across time and around the world. Valeria Tellez interviews Shannon Polly, the author of Character Strengths Matter, How to Live a Full Life. Shannon Polly is one of the first 100 people in the world to get her degree in positive psychology and has trained over 1,500 U.S. Army sergeants in resiliency. Her mission in life is to increase the well-being of every person with whom she interacts. Shannon has built her coaching practice on three pillars. First, clients need to increase their awareness of how their thoughts and beliefs impact their behavior. Second, Shannon leverages her decade-long professional acting career to help leaders find their most powerful performance. Somatic, physical coaching helps leaders understand how their physical presence impacts others. Finally, aligning leaders' roles with their strengths makes them more motivated and effective. Shannon has extensive experience working with mid- and senior-level leaders in private sector, public sector, and nonprofit organizations. Her experience ranges within a variety of industry sectors, including high-tech, consulting firms, professional services firms, financial services, and U.S. Olympic athletes. She coaches on several leadership development goals ranging from career advancement, management skills, executive presence, leading as a woman, leading a global team, and building strategic relationships. A number of her clients were promoted to senior levels in their organization at the conclusion of their coaching. Shannon received a Master of Applied Positive Psychology MAAP from the University of Pennsylvania and a Bachelor of Arts degree from Yale College. She also has a graduate certificate in classical acting from the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art and a certificate in leadership coaching from Georgetown University. Shannon's partial client list includes Google, USAID, American Express, Del Watt, Georgetown University, the World Bank, U.S. Army, BlackRock, 
PWC, Logitech, Sony, FDA, APCO Worldwide, and Treliant. Meet Shannon at shannonpolly.com. Here is the interview with Shannon Polly. In your own words, who is Shannon Polly? <laughs> <laughs> You said we were starting with easy questions. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I lied. <laughs> Not my habit, okay. but today. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, well, my mission in life is to increase the well-being of every person I interact with, which is a pretty big, hairy, audacious goal. But I find that it's more helpful to talk about that that rather than I'm an executive coach and a facilitator and, you know, leadership development and that sort of tends to put people to sleep. So I have a master's degree in applied positive psychology, which is the scientific study of well-being. And it's basically the best job in the world, I think, <laughs> because sounds like it. get to get to help um, help people who are high performing perform even better. What is your idea and understanding of a balanced life? Mm, a balanced life. That's a good question. Well, in the frame of um, positive psychology, it would be having uh, meaning and purpose in your life, having strong relationships with other people. You can't have close, you know, you can't be, reach the highest levels of happiness without close relationships with other people. And um, Marty Seligman in his book, Flourish, talks about the PERMA well-being model, which is about positive emotions, uh, engagement, using your strengths, relationships, meaning, and achievement. And I think the one thing he missed that you get very right on your in your work and your books and podcasts is around health and vitality. So those are all of those things I would say encapsulate a balanced life. Of course, the first one, I love that being these uh, relationships and positive feelings. Some of us call it love. What is love to you, Shannon? What is love? You know, it's interesting. My, my thoughts about love have actually shifted since I um, read the work of Barbara Fredrickson, who's in UNC Chapel Hill, and she talks about uh, micro moments of connection and how uh, she calls it positivity resonance. So the people, when I go into corporate settings, tend to you know, recoil at the word love. They're like, ugh, love. Right. And it's actually the number one strength of West Point cadets. And uh, to me, love is the ability to make a connection with someone, whether it's a smile to your barista at the coffee shop or um, hugging your child. What is true leadership? What is your definition for that? And what makes a leader? Well, there are so many definitions of leadership. I think that it is about authenticity and finding your purpose. And when you're a leader, it is about making other people look good. So I have a background in theater and improvisation and 
one of the key themes is, you know, you have to make your partner look good. And if we all went through life trying to make other people look good, <laughs> that would be, that's leadership. What makes a great leader, I think, is is similar to that, which is keeping and doing the work on yourself. So going inward and taking away your own roadblocks so that you can help facilitate the strength and bring out the strength in other people. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? You're not starting with softballs here, <laughs> Valeria. Uh, I know. <laughs> I like it. I think that leaving something behind, leaving it better than you found it, right? That's what your kindergarten teacher would say. Let's clean it up and leave it better than we found it. But I think that falls into so many categories of, you know, when you leave an interaction with another person, are they elevated after talking to you? Are you, what are you doing to contribute back to the world? I can say more about that, but I think that's uh, that sums it up. Regarding the purpose, unique purposes that we all have one, I often ask this question too. I wonder how do we know that we have found our purpose? What are some of the ways or the signs that we are there? I think that um, there's a, a sort of inner peace and a calmness when you feel like you when you found it. You, I coach a lot of people, a lot of leaders who, who are experiencing tension between competing values. And on the one hand, you know, a woman I was talking to today wants to support her family back in her home country. So she wants to have a job. At the same time, she can't express the highest level of her purpose at her job because of the structure. And um, there's a lot of tension there. So I think so many people go to work every day and don't love what they do and just say, well, it's work and that's all I can do. Um, and I think that when you wake up every day and you love what you do, that's when you know you found your purpose. So what do you love most about being a, a woman? What do I love most? I think that being able to to experience emotion, to feel emotion, especially in the society, being able to connect and read people. I don't know that that's necessarily just a female strength, but I think it's particularly one, and I like that ability. Um, and probably the most obvious answer is, you know, my kids say, you, you have to be nice to mommy. She had you. <laughs> she, right. she, she carried you for 10 months. I'm That's like, so yeah, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you realized that. I wish you would clean up your room after you <laughs> said that. But, um, that is cute. What is the most challenging aspect about being a woman from your perspective? Well, I think, you know, we face a lot of bias and some of it's subtle, some of it's internalized, and um, probably the most challenging is is uh, that a lot of women that I coach, and I've had moments myself of not not actually liking oneself. I remember there was an interview with the Buddha or with um, the Dalai Lama, and uh, they were trying to explain that in loving kindness meditation. Um, Americans or people in the West were having trouble sending love to themselves first and because they didn't like themselves. And it took about seven minutes of translating back and forth because the Dalai Lama couldn't understand. He was like, well, what do you mean you don't like yourself? And when he finally got it, 
he he was very surprised and he, you know, offered that maybe you should send loving kindness to, you know, someone you care about and then send it to yourself. But um, unfortunately, I think we've internalized a lot of those messages in the media and uh, sometimes those are hard to get out of. Do you believe in the practice of unconditional self-love? Is that a realistic goal? Um, I think uh, that's... I don't know what you mean by the practice of it. <laughs> My <laughs> challenge. Um, I, um, in, in, again, I'll frame it in the positive psychology world, which is uh, the work around self-compassion. And I think that's, it's similar. And I think it's a, a path that one can be on and there are practices to work toward that. And um, the kinder you can be to yourself, I think then you can be kind to other people. But it is, it's definitely a journey, I would say. I remember asking a mother about, do you love yourself unconditionally? And she said no. But then, do you love your kids unconditionally? And she said yes. You're a mother, so what do you think about that? You know, I've had some challenging days with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, I do, I do love them. <laughs> There are days where I'm not sure I like them, and uh, they probably don't like me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it is a strange uh, evolutionary thing where you you are sort of fine-tuned to want to protect them. Um, at the same time, I do actually think that that can perpetuate a a myth of motherhood that you will all and sometimes lead to extraordinary self-sacrifice, which then isn't good for the mother. And this sort of idea that you're going to be in bliss once you have children and everything's going to be great and you should love them every moment. And, uh, and I don't want to perpetuate that because I think one of the myths of positive psychology is that, you know, you should be happy all the time and not talk about negative emotions, quote unquote negative emotions. And that's actually not true, not what the science bears out. So I think we have to embrace humanity in, in all of its forms. The next one is about uh, 2020, uh, the challenges and the change that we have been facing and we are still facing. So two questions. What lessons have you learned from 2020? And also, do you have a vision for a new reality? Well, I think that um, I've definitely learned a lesson about uh, the myth of quality time versus quantity time. So in 2019, I spent the majority, a large part of my life on a plane or with a client in another state. And I was providing for my family and doing work I love and getting to, you know, escape and travel, which I love to do. But I definitely saw the, my family suffer a bit and my kids suffer. And I wanted to say, well, that's just the way it is. And I'll spend some quality time with them on the weekend. But now after having been together almost constantly for eight months, I see the, my relationships change. And I see that that's really um, important to me and to them. So I definitely am going to re restructure the way I work. Um, I think a lot of companies are going to do that and people I think the vision, the vision of a new reality, do you mean for myself, for the world, for what, what do you mean that in context? However it comes to you, it could be your, from your own life or for humanity in general. 
Well, I'm really um, looking forward to a new administration in the, in the United States. I'm looking forward to, um, I really hope that the social justice movement that's been happening in the U.S. continues and that we can see everyone as our as our equal and that we can reduce the injustice out there. So that's my that's my hope and my vision. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? Well, for me, it's it's always been important to have individual freedom, freedom of choice. And, you know, when I was younger, it was the choice to get to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And now that I've uh, done a little more work on myself, I would say it's more about the choice of how I respond to events that, you know, my, my kids will often say, but she made me so mad. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll right. say, actually, she didn't make you mad. You made you mad, but that's a little too advanced for, you know, an eight-year-old. Um, right. <laughs> so that's that's sort of how my vision of choice is. The freedom has changed. Yeah, now that you brought it up, I wonder if um, children can understand that and learn that they have a choice to, they can take responsibility for their emotional responses. I know you mentioned that uh, they are too young for that. What would be the age to teach them? Yeah, I think they do start, some of them um, start with growth mindset. So last year, my younger daughter was in first grade and she said, Mommy, they aren't mad at me at school when I make a mistake. They're happy. They say, kiss your brain. You just grew your brain. <laughs> How yeah, so yeah. I think that they are starting to learn that they can have a different way of seeing things. And, you know, when my older daughter is anxious about something, I'll, I'll tell her to, you know, talk back to your brain and say, thank you for trying to protect me. I know you're, you're trying to help me out, but um, I'm going to be okay. And, uh, you know, so I'm giving her some cognitive behavioral strategies to to have some choice as to how she responds. So I'm not an I'm not uh, an educator or an expert in you know developmental <laughs> theories, but that's just what's worked for me. My last question is spirituality. How do you define that word? Well, I think that it is um, connecting to a higher power, whether that is you know a, a traditional religion or whether it's going out in the forest and communing with nature, connecting with something bigger than yourself. Do you see a difference between spirituality and religion? Are they all in a way the same to you? I think religion is man-made and it is a, you know, a construct that uh, we have to organize ourselves and there are pluses and minuses there. But spirituality is, um, I think, one's personal connection. So how did you become a writer? And what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book, Character, Strength, Matter, How to Live a Full Life? Well, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily <laughs> consider myself a writer per se. I, I have put some words on a page. Um, the inspiration for it came from the our professor, Dr. Chris Peterson, who created the Character Strengths Assessment, and he tragically passed away at an early age, and we wanted to honor him. So we um, asked our colleagues to contribute all of their 
um, some past articles they'd written to commission some new articles. And um, my co-author and co-editor, Catherine Britton, and I put them together and assembled them and um, and wanted to both put something, you know, good out in the world to, to highlight his work, but also to to um, celebrate him. And we've managed to raise quite a bit of money for a scholarship uh, at the University of Pennsylvania in his name. So um, I think I think it was some mission and purpose that drove that. It's uh, certainly, you know, took about 18 months. <laughs> so it would only be only love that would uh, would it would drive me to work on work on it for that long. How did you discover positive psychology? You know, I was in New York City and I was um, doing leadership development. I was teaching executive presence and I loved it. And I wanted to go deeper in my study of how to help leaders. And I looked into PhD psych programs and it was all very much focused on what was wrong with people and (laughs) how to fix that. And it was really depressing. And I thought, I don't know if I can survive, you know, seven years of a PhD. And I was at a a coaching get together with a group. And this woman said, have you ever heard of positive psychology? They're doing this new program in Pennsylvania. And I was like, no, I haven't. And I went and looked it up and I was like, oh, this is me. This is (laughs) perfect. So I traveled from New York to Philly once every three weeks for the graduate program, and uh, and I think it's one of the best decisions I ever made. Why did you study acting? That's an interesting question. Well, you know, I think from an early age, I was a flaming extrovert and wanted attention and loved to sing, found just pure joy in singing and loved to entertain. So it was, it was making people happy in a different way. And I also felt the desire to express emotion that maybe wasn't allowed or acceptable when I was growing up. But on stage, you can express all of the emotions that your character has because it's in the script and you're, you're allowed to do that. So, and I, it's really exciting to, to see something and create something that's never been there before. So I think the, the creative act is, is, uh, is an exciting one. Thought patterns and beliefs, do we change them, replace them, or try to remove them? Well, I guess replacing them is changing them. I think that when I'm working with a client, I'll first try to bring self-awareness to what the thought pattern is and how's it working for you? <laughs> is it, is it, what's the benefit? What's the cost? Um, and then shifting it if it's not working to something that's maybe more, more skillful, more, um, more effective as far as what they want to accomplish. Um, if it's a really harmful thought pattern, yes, it might be, um, you might try to change it. I think, I think trying to remove things, some of the research on habits is that it's very difficult to remove something that's, that's created a neural pathway in your brain and you have to overlay a new habit on top of it to supersede the previous one. So I'm, it might be interesting to see if that's the same for thought patterns, but since those are neural pathways in our brain as well, this is probably, probably similar. So... What are character strengths? 
Character strengths are authentic to us. They are natural. The character strengths that have been researched for the work with Chris Peterson and Marty Seligman is um, they researched over five years and they wanted to find something that was also universal across cultures and across time. And so they looked at all of the major religious texts. They looked at children's books. They looked at uh, comic book heroes. um, And they found these 24 distinct strengths that couldn't be subdivided into another strength. They wanted to find something that had a paragon. You could see someone who was a paragon of that strength and that they are naturally energizing because when you are working in something that's, that's your strength, you don't have to be, no one has to ask you to do it. So it's uh, particularly motivating as well. So another question is, how do we learn to identify our strengths? I know we use the word character, but we usually call them gifts. How do we learn to identify them, Shannon? Well, there are lots of different, I mean, there are thousands of words you could choose. Um, This assessment is uh, one that you can take that's been scientifically validated and uh, is reliable. So that's one way. But of course, there are many other assessments like strengths finder um, you can ask other people what do they see as your your gifts or your strengths sort of a an informal 360 you could write down the things that you are passionate about what do you love doing what 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 do you do that no one has to ask you to do um, and I think it's different from the distinction I would make is is different from learned behaviors so if I have to, I can use an Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't get me out of the bed in the morning, right? True. <laughs> uh, so, so it has to be something that's uh, intrinsically motivating. Yeah, I'm wondering what's the best way to see that at play when we are displaying these natural strengths. I'm wondering if there is a situation or situations that we can put ourselves in to find out. Well, I. Um, the, the strengths, at least this assessment, the via character strengths, you have all 24 strengths, but the top five are considered your signature strengths or ones that are easy come natural to you, but you have all 24. So there's an amazing video about this guy in New York city who, um, there was a, a man on the subway platform who had an epileptic seizure and he fell onto the subway tracks. And this guy was standing there with his two girls and he just instinctively jumps down, lays his body on top of this man who is seizing and knows that he doesn't have time to get him out before the train comes. So he holds him down under the tracks, hoping that they're going to be okay. And the clearance was one inch above his head. Now that's bravery. But when the guy talks about it, he's like, well, I just, I just did it. You know, I just looked down and saw this guy needs help. So there are, we call them um, trait, phasic strengths and trait strengths. So phasic strengths would be, you know, when when the necessity calls for it, I can be brave. But I wouldn't necessarily, you know, call myself that on a daily basis. 
I love the uh, outline of your book. So you have all the, um, you aligned them, all the strength, appreciation, bravery, uh, creativity, curiosity, all of them. And then you have the definition and the benefits of these um, strengths and then five actions to build them. And then you also included some monologues, speeches and poems, beautifully done. So I have a few of them that I'll be asking you questions about, or you can just actually talk about some of them. I have chosen appreciation, bravery, that one too, love and be loved, kindness and open-mindedness. So those um, strengths that called my attention for some reason, although I love all of them and spirituality too. I guess my first question to you is appreciation and gratitude. What is the difference? So the appreciation of beauty and excellence strength is an often misunderstood one. And that is when you are captivated by a sunset and you, you know, sit there and watch it. Uh, my husband was on the beach recently and I was like, what's the best part of your day? And he said, you know, watching the sunset. That is not my top strength. I'm like, oh, nice, pretty sunset. All right, what's for dinner? <laughs> so, so, you know, but it also can be who's the person who, you know, looks at a PowerPoint slide and wants every single, you know, font to be the same and the same size and they notice the margins. Like those are people that have appreciation of beauty and excellence because they see those things. I don't see those things. Um, whereas gratitude is really being thankful for the things that you have. And um, that actually is a strength that is highly correlated to happiness in life because we can habituate to the things, the good things we have. I noticed you, you uh, talked with one of your interview guests about gratitude and the happiest people have gratitude. And um, that the research definitely bears that out. So being able to cultivate that strength, even if it's not a top strength for you, is, is, a, is a good thing. So talk to me for a moment about kindness and love and be loved. Yeah, so love, which has been shortened from the capacity to love and be loved, is really valuing close relationships with other people. And one of the best stories I can tell about that is that I was in New York, uh, New York City during 9-11, and uh, they had actually done this research. They tested people's strengths before 9-11, and they were able to get them back in touch with the same people after 9-11. And the three strengths that had gone up were hope, love, and spirituality. So faith, hope, and love were the three that went up. And I think being in that city after such a tragic event, we were suddenly attuned to everyone and valuing everyone. Um, so that's really valuing other people. Kindness is doing doing good things for other people. So, you know, being willing, being always being the person who um, writes the thank you note and notices the person who's sick and brings them food. And so I think that. Um, they are distinct in that I definitely there's definitely a, a connection, as you're saying. There, there's definitely cousins, I would say, love and kindness, and there's some overlap. Um, but they are they are distinct in in this assessment. And under spirituality, you have some activities that can help us exercise spiritual fitness. And there you mentioned gratitude. 
forgiveness, prayer, meditation. So forgiveness, this is a big one. And it's also one, it's listed as one of the strengths too. What I'd like to know for forgiveness is um, the actions to become more forgiving. What are some of them, Shannon? Yeah, forgiving is, um, that's that's a challenging one. I would say that uh, <laughs> it's definitely not one of my top strengths. <laughs> my my mother my mother jokes that uh, that forgiveness is her is her least strength, and those people don't deserve to be forgiven. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> she's very Irish. She's very right. clannish. Um, but uh, but there is there is a website that a friend of mine is building about forgiveness, and he's pulled together some. He's another MAP graduate, positive psychology graduate. He has pulled together some amazing, inspiring stories of forgiveness. Of you know, a boy that killed a woman's son, and she took him in as her own, and he lived with her. And you know, at the end, you know, after six months, he. She said, do you know why I did this? And he said, no. And she said, because I wanted to to kill the person you were and to now you are my son and you are you are transformed. So, I mean, inspiring stories that that generate awe as as an emotion that we don't often talk about. Um, And I think that, you know, meditation is a great practice for it. Uh, Loving kindness meditation specifically. There's a lot of research on that. But I can share the URL if you want to share them in the show notes later for for the website because I think it's really well done. Is humor one of your uh, strengths? <laughs> the top is. five? <laughs> it's a top strength. Cause, it's true. <laughs> yeah, because you made me laugh many times. So it was just, um, oh, that might be one of her strengths. <laughs> the biggest See? ones. That's great. <laughs> You have become a strength spotter. So now <laughs> this is a high-level skill. You can spot strengths in other people. This is uh, well wow. done. <laughs> Do you think it's possible to navigate this life without judgments, without labeling? Sure, it's possible. I think it's, uh, I think it's a challenge. Um, but I, I think that it goes back to self-compassion. And if you're can be kind to yourself, then it's easier to be kind to others and um, to try not to put them in a box. It's that whole, you know, golden rule, or I call the platinum rule, <laughs> do, do unto others. But um, I think that our brains tend to want to put people in categories. So on some level, it's normal to say, you know, I have too much information to process. I have to put people into a box just for my brain to process it. And we have to work against that. So um, Daniel Kahneman wrote a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. He's a Nobel Prize winning economist. And, you know, most people wouldn't think, economists are like, well, people will do things rationally. Um, And he talked about how we have like our fast reaction to things. Like when you're walking down the street, dark street at two in the morning and the hairs on the back of your neck grow up. That's sort of our, you know, immediate reaction. And sometimes that's evolutionary that those things have saved us in the past. But when we are in a situation that's not like that, and we've, you know, might've fallen into a trap of judgment, we have to slow down the thinking and reanalyze to make sure we don't uh, fall into judgment. And I'm wondering if intuition could become one of these strengths. You know, it's it's interesting you say that. So we had an assignment when um, 
we were in school and he asked us to try to assign if you could redo this assessment, what would be the 25th strength for you? And we had to write an essay about um, what that strength would be. So I can imagine your your essay on intuition would be a powerful one. <laughs> if I if I had to combine some of the strengths, some maybe some of the strengths combined, and maybe you can help me out with this, um, that would lead to intuition. What would you say that they are? Would it be love and wisdom? Love for sure. Wow, no other com. No, there's not. There's no even a combination. It's just love. Um, it's interesting. Unconditional love for yourself and life. That would be the ultimate because that's what life's all about, from my perspective. <laughs> so if you come from that place, then you are, you are accessing intuition, the highest form of intelligence, mm. from my understanding. It goes back to love every time. So. By applying that, then everything's beautiful. Life is beautiful, even in moments of tragedy, of horror. It's still meaningful. That's intuition itself speaking. Oh, yeah. So love is the, is the voice of intuition. Wow. Yeah, mm. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> love is the voice of intuition. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it, it is. And it is. Um, wow. That was an interesting moment, Shannon. <laughs> you made me feel, made me think, you made me reflect. It made me, um, yeah, be present, um, 100% present and say that with confidence, yeah, because that is, that is the truth. Love is the only thing that there is. Um, yeah, would you like to um, talk to me about any other uh, strength in particular, perhaps one that you believe is very important to have or to build? You know, um, the one thing I'll say is that while there are some that are, are correlated to, to happiness and well-being, the biggest misinterpretation I get is the, you know, what strength should I have? <laughs> what, what one do I need to work on? <laughs> but in reality, it's taking those top strengths that you have and leveraging them, that you get the most bang for your buck out of picking those your top strengths and I would hazard a guess that the ones you were most interested in from the list are probably some of your top strengths um, now that being said if, if you're in a situation where you need to have you know a lesser strength I think the most um, underused strategy is how can you use a top strength to pull up a bottom strength so you know, I have I have self-regulation as my 24th strength. So I'm reading through your your website about being fit and you know, the definition of self-regulation is like, you know, that's my bottom. But I do have perseverance as a top strength. So I can use my perseverance to say, you know, um, I'm going to spend, you know, at the beginning of COVID, I had signed up for this course or this a research study to be a vegan for 12 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even close to being anywhere near a vegan, but I have right. perseverance. And so I said, I am going to do this, even in the midst of a global pandemic. Right. So I definitely worked on my self-regulation. So it is possible to use a top strength to pull up a bottom strength if that's something you want to work on. But ultimately, if for someone who's just being you know, introduced to this as a framework, I would say, 
you know, do you get to use your top strengths every day? For you, do you get to use your love every day? Sounds like you do. <laughs> but if you don't, how can you use it in other parts of your life and, um, and, and engineer it? Because that's something that will make you happier. I guess my case would be humor. <laughs> my husband, he makes me laugh all the time. So that's wonderful. And that's, maybe that's why, too, I could see that in you. Like, oh, I love that. <laughs> because I recognize that in him, it's something that I need to work on. And then social, I guess. I'm an introvert, so it's um, kind of tough, yeah, being around people in person. And maybe that's why I have this podcast as audio only. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, now it's out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad you said that, Valeria, because the the strength of social intelligence is being able to read other people's emotions. And I might argue that you are probably fairly high in social intelligence because in order to interview lots of people, you have to be able to pick up on their mood and know where you're, you know, where know where the conversation should go and where can you push. So Introverts can have a, a high level of social intelligence. You just might need to, you know, take a nap after you. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's interesting that you say that. <laughs> um, yes. And it like this is easier, I guess, than in person. That's too fast. I have to think faster, I guess. Or maybe I'm anxious because I'm around people. Although I love people. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is something that I need to work on. <laughs> Being around people in person. And not being too excited about it, I guess, too. That gets in the way. So we're almost at the end. I have a few questions for you. The ending questions. Would you like to add anything, Shannon? Or read a passage in your book? Um, yeah, I would. Can you give me a second? I'm going to get it. So one of the unique parts of the book is is the inclusion of the speeches and the monologues and the poems. And the idea is that you can embody these strengths by reading someone else's words who, are, who is a paragon of that strength. So one of the ways to work on strengths is to read aloud, which we tend to not do after we reach a certain age, um, unless you are an actor. So I want to read you a speech that embodies the strength of gratitude. And it is Lou Gehrig's Farewell to Yankees speech. I've been in ballparks for 17 years and I've never received anything but kindness and encouragement. Look at these grand men. Which of you wouldn't consider it the highlight of his career to associate with them for even one day? When the New York Giants, a team you would give your right arm to beat, sends you a gift, that's something. When everybody down to the groundkeepers remember you with trophies, that's something. When you have a father and mother who worked all their lives so that you can have an education, that's something. When you have a wife who has been a tower of strength and shown more courage than you dreamed existed, that's something. So I close in saying that I might have had a tough break, but today I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. That's extremely um, inspirational, and you have so many others. <laughs> so I encourage everyone to read the book, and I have to go back to it. <laughs> I have not read all the monologues and these amazing speeches in there. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? For me, it is being able to 
have the biggest impact possible. Am I, am I helping people and, and uh, how can I expand, expand that? So. If you knew me would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Wow, we're going deep here at the end. Um, <laughs> I, I would probably focus more of my time. I would do less. I would spend more time with people that really um, matter, that give me energy. And I probably would meditate more because I think that meditation is not just for living, but for for passing on and um, probably can't do too much of that. That's interesting that you say that. I think I had one of my guests say clearly, she said, um, if I knew I would die within a few hours, I would meditate until that moment. Yes, she used that meditation as the guidance to transition. So my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Ooh, three things I know for sure. I know that love is the highest, the highest place. You know, if it's only love or fear, that love is where I want to be. I know that things will will not get you to happiness, that relationships will get you there. And, and to sum that up, I will take Chris Peterson's words, summing up all of the research in positive psychology, which is other people matter. Thank you so much, Shannon, for your sharing your wisdom, your beautiful presence, uh, light presence, your mission in this reality, in this life, your work. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I do have that last question about um, where to find more information about you and your books, products, services, and future projects too. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, my website is shannonpolly.com. P O L L Y, like Polly Wanna Cracker. <laughs> I got two, I have two first names. Um, and that has books and uh, all the information about workshops and coaching that I do. Wonderful. I'll have that link too um, on the podcast profile. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you, Valeria. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Bye for now, Shannon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Shannon Polly and her work, please visit shannonpolly.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>